The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a family-friendly celebration of geekdom by father-daughter zombies. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and I'm joined, as always, by my daughter. Hello. And we are two generations of geek. This is episode 35, the Cornetto Trilogy, and we'll be talking about the Simon Pegg movies Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. This is a special gruff edition of Generations Geek because these are not movies for the youngest geeks in your family. But first, a reminder to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and email us at thegeeks at generationsgeek.com. Plus, you can find handy links to all our episodes at generationsgeek.com. Now, on with the show. All right, the Grup edition mm-hmm. of Generations Geek, because although we are family-friendly, we're starting to watch a little bit different movies now that the kid unit is 18 instead of 15, like three years ago <laughs> when we started this. So uh, we've broadened our horizons a bit. So every once in a while, we're going to do a Grup edition. We'll talk about uh, R-rated movies uh, and then... Uh... Move on. Exactly. So we're starting with the Cornetto Trilogy. Yeah. First movie up, Shaun of the Dead. How many times have you watched this now? Um... Twice. Oh, really? Just the twice? Yeah, it's because, well, it's kind of like dark. It is. And Hot Fuzz is like my favorite movie ever. So if <laughs> I'm going to watch a Cornetto movie, it's probably going to be Hot Fuzz. <laughs> I see. Okay, here's the thing. Now, you actually haven't seen that many zombie movies at mm-hmm. all. Although you did become a huge Walking Dead fan. Yes. I only like zombies because of The Walking Dead. So you haven't actually seen the movie that one could say most directly inspired this, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's the pun on the title, but really it's taking a lot of inspiration from the entire genre. What do you like the most about this crazy comedy zombie movie? I think what I like the most, and this stays true with um, Hot Fuzz and The World's End too, is that something like unbelievably ridiculous always happens and the characters are like well i guess this is happening now and then they like (laughs) go through this weird series of adventures and like it's hysterical yeah well and that that plays nicely off genre movies in general Uh, Mm -hmm. let me be more specific it plays off of uh, horror films Particularly because they are generally films that are set in the real world, mm-hmm. but then something horrible starts happening. <laughs> it's funny because, like, at the beginning of the movie, his best friend right away is like, "Oh, there are some zombies outside." And he's like, "Don't say that!" <laughs> like, don't, no. <laughs> I found an interesting article on the web: twelve killer facts about Shaun of the Dead. It's one of those horrible kind of clickbait kind of uh, things. Fake BuzzFeed. But there was some fun stuff in here. It mentions that the idea came out of an episode of Spaced. Now, I don't know if you've watched Spaced. So that's a sitcom that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg did at the beginning of their 
collaboration. I love Edgar Wright as a director. And there's an episode where Simon Pegg's character is playing the zombie video game Resident Evil 2. Mm -hmm. At some point in there, Edgar said, hey, we should do a whole zombie movie. And it also mentions on this thing that it was kind of a spaced reunion because so many actors from Spaced turned up in Shaun of the Dead. But that kind of also falls back on the usual every British actor is in every British movie thing that we've talked about before. I like it when people in the business are like, what if we did this? And the other person is like, haha, yeah, let's do it. And then they just do something ridiculous like them just be like why don't we just make a trilogy of movies and the only thing that ties them together is uh the actors ice cream and (laughs) jumping over fences (laughs) well there's also a theme there's a thematic element that runs through them that Mm -hmm. simon pegg's character in some way in each film is kind of a lost character yeah and is trying to go through something and perhaps move toward a more adult. Oh my gosh, there's a scene in at the beginning of Shaun of the Dead after his girlfriend breaks up with him where I think it's Andy. Andy's trying to cheer him up. And uh he like just looks so heartbroken and sad. And so it'll like cut to him, just like his eyes full of tears. <laughs> And then it'll cut back to him, and he's, like, doing his, like, orangutan impression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it just kills me. Because I'm like, oh, it's Simon. And then I'm like, oh, God, no. Like, well, and, it's so good. Yeah, another theme. <laughs> it changes a little bit. But in the first two movies, Nick Frost's character is very similar. Yeah. That he's kind of the loser friend. Yeah. In the third movie, it's well, Simon but- Pegg. But you get the idea, yeah, yeah, you know, Simon Pegg is more of the, the loser friend character. That's a good point. Let's talk about some of our favorite bits, perhaps. One, bits from Shaun of the Dead? From Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> One of my favorite things is they very subtly build up to the zombies. This is, Yeah. I mean, this is another thing that's in all the movies, that they're very... They're kind of slow burns. You you get a lot of, a, a varying amount. I mean, uh, World's End is, is the longest, perhaps. But you get a lot of screen time before you get to what the movie is actually about. Yeah. And I love it. so in Shaun of the Dead, you get to see his kind of dead-end job and, and, and his loser live-in uh, friend who just like was going to spend one night and now it's years later and he's still living there sponging off of them. And then you get to see the character like catching the bus or something. And you start noticing weird things in the background. Just a little off. Yeah. That he doesn't notice. Eventually he starts noticing, but it's not enough to really, and well, it he's, builds and he's builds like and builds. He's like noticing, but he's not really taking it in like, oh, I should be worried. Yeah, because it's not the kind of thing where you're going to jump to in the real world, oh, that must be a zombie. Then we get to a new day. Sean goes down to the shop, and it's pretty much full-blown zombie apocalypse now. <laughs> Except for the shot b- before, there's a scene where he goes to the shop, and it's the exact same scene. Except for everyone he encounters is a zombie and he doesn't realize it. He gets into the shop and he goes to the cooler to 
take a look at the beverages and he as he walks up or walks away from the cooler he slips yeah and it's great because the shot doesn't show you that he's slipped in blood it just lets you fill that detail in. Well, on because your own. there is, there's like a bloody. I don't remember if it's on the cooler next. Yeah, you to the, see some bloody has, handprints. Yeah, there's handprints. So he, he's like, he looks up and he's like, ooh, and, and it's like, oh, oh, and, god. <laughs> and yeah, and he doesn't see the handprints, and then as he walks away, he slips, and and you just know, as a viewer, you just know he's slipped in something grotesque, <laughs> but he doesn't notice. Imagine the stench <laughs> in that tiny shop. He just walks in. He's like, well, here I am in the shop another morning. You know what my so that's one of my favorite, my favorite bits. What's one of your bit? favorite bits? When he and Andy come out of the Winchester and they're singing, and the zombie is like, ah, uh, and they're like, yes, and they start like singing, oh, yeah. and then they cut to like, and every time they need him to go, oh, he goes, ah, uh, <laughs> and they they're just like, yeah, man, right on, <laughs> but it's a zombie. Another one of my favorite bits is when they're taking out their first zombies in the backyard. Oh God. And the Nick Frost character goes in and gets a camera. <laughs> and then things go particularly nasty. Well, no, he, he gets his, he gets the camera because the girl, they don't think she's a zombie. And so the girl's just on top of Simon Pegg. Yeah. And he's like, what? Get off! And Andy's like, oh my god, this is hilarious. And then, <laughs> and then there's a break in the action and it's quiet. And you just hear this little ratchety sound of the character winding <laughs> yeah. to the next photo, which, of course, you know, the joke is kind of outdated no, no, now because like, people it's don't. It's like the girl falls down, like she gets like impaled and then it cuts back to them and he just stands there and just like <laughs> click. <laughs> and you click, hear the wind, <laughs> which, you know, it, it's like it's it's at to the point now where you almost have to translate that to, to younger people to say, well, you see, there was yeah, a time. Yeah, we, we don't know what film cameras are, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> You had to advance the film. We don't know about anything in the past. <laughs> you don't know what records are. No, or, we don't know yeah. what CDs, what <laughs> VHS tapes. We actually know nothing. This movie is full of great little references, far more than I'm sure what I caught. One thing that you wouldn't have caught as a zombie novice is Night of the Living Dead. The, mm-hmm. the the classic first George Romero zombie movie opens with a brother and sister at the cemetery. And the brother is teasing the sister about dead people. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, and, and she's getting annoyed. It's just like this, they're adults, but it's like typical sibling yeah. you know, stuff. And he's saying, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And then in Shaun of the Dead, Barbara is Shaun's mother's name. Yeah. And so at one point, they're going to get her and they say, we're coming to get you, Barbara. I also like when they're arguing, they're like, they've gotten to the pub and they're arguing about whether or not the guy who owns the pub is in the mafia. And then they take down, they take down the rifle and it fires. And they're like, oh, oh he's in the mafia. So funny. So this was the first movie. They weren't even sure if they were was going to get made. They were like going broke and but then thankfully it was successful and and so they were able to uh start some running jokes because some of the things that were first used in this movie 
then reappeared in the other movies. Um, so you mentioned the fence joke. The fence joke is my favorite joke. So in this movie, you first get to see them trying to take a shortcut over some fences, and they're like trying to jump. He or always climb says over something them. really cocky too. It's like, "What's the matter? I've never taken a shortcut before." And then he yeah. turns and goes to jump over and like falls. And falls it's my favorite. And the fence breaks, and then <laughs> now was it? It was in this one where Nick Frost's character first says, like, as an exclamation or curse. He quotes the old cartoon. He says, by, by the, the power, power of, of Grayskull. <laughs> and it just comes out of nowhere. In the, you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, the characters are kind of geeky. But but oh, that man. reference, it's like you're watching zombies and, you know. But then that came back in Hot Fuzz. I also like the scene where they meet up with uh, his friend from college. Like they mm-hmm. see her and like her squad and it's like. They're all exactly the same, and they all walk past each other, and they're going like, hey, hey, hey. I had... No, let me tell you something. (laughs) That exact scene happened to me in real life the other day, and it happened, and then I stopped, and I was like, oh my god, it's... We're in Shaun of the Dead, and John was just like, Ella, what, what? And I'm like, nobody here has seen Shaun of the Dead. They don't understand what just happened. It was it was heartbreaking, is what it was. So you met up with a bunch of other people that we were... like saw other people that we had that we knew, and we were like, oh hey, 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 hey. and then <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Well, yeah, the 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 great thing about that scene is that there are so many interconnections of fabulous British sitcoms and comedians represented there all on screen at once because his old college friend played his roommate on spaced yeah and then and and sean's girlfriend's friend is played by the woman who played the receptionist on the british office the pam character from in the american version and her boyfriend is played by the guy that was the lead on black's books and on the other squad is the woman who played, who was his best friend, who had the shop next door to his bookshop. And, of course, Martin Freeman is in there as well. And, like, one of the guys that was in the uh, League of Gentlemen. And, I mean, and there's just, like, all these interconnections of various people that have been on various shows together. It's uh, fabulous. You want to know the only thing that the Cornetta trilogy is missing? What's that? Carl Pilkington. Uh, <laughs> He's like Simon Pegg's more disgruntled older brother. And it's funny that you mentioned, because I I kind of thought of a different Carl when we were watching it this time. I thought of Carl from Carl. The Walking Dead, because <laughs> it's like Coral. before there was Carl doing uh, like questionably uh, stupid things during his... <laughs> During the zombie apocalypse, there was Sean. (laughs) This kid at school has a stay in the house Carl shirt that he wears sometimes. And so whenever me and Logan see him, we're like, Carl, stay in the house, Carl. I just thought of another little bit that I liked. Hmm. Early in the show, he had a red pen in his shirt pocket and started leaking. And so yeah, he says you've got red on you. You've got red on you. And And then later he's got blood on him. His mom's like, you've got red on you. And he's like, oh. It's a goofy comedy zombie horror movie. 
but there's some great little storytelling and filmmaking things in there. Yeah. Like the you've got the red on you, or I loved the reveal. I mean, it was played for laughs, but it was still a great shot. Um, <laughs> once they're holed up in the bar in the Winchester, mm-hmm. Sean goes back and he's fiddling with the <laughs> lights. Oh, no. <laughs> and he accidentally turns on a light that's outside the back door and it reveals that there are just dozens and dozens of zombies All right there up, you know, against oh the God. window. And he just like... And he turns off the light really quick. And like closes the shades and then yeah. leaves. <laughs> like that's going to take it's care like of it. like same <laughs> me during finals. <laughs> I wanted to point out one more thing that I learned from the uh, interwebs. So George Romero, who's made tons of zombie movies, is a fan of Shaun of the Dead. Because who isn't? And so in his 2005 film, Land of the Dead, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright have cameos as zombies. Yes. Where they're chained Just up. Just like Greg Nicotero. They're chained up so it allows people to take their picture with a zombie. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, and I haven't seen that yet. I actually, I'm way behind on watching the decades-long series of zombie movies that Romero has made. I need, I've only seen the first three or four. I need to watch some of these uh, more recent ones. Simon Pegg's face is, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, sometimes... In a good way. Sometimes, like, the camera will cut back to him, and he's just making a face, <laughs> and I just, like, lose it every time. Uh, they both have very expressive faces, he and Nick Frost... I love when Nick Frost gets angry and, like, determined. He has this very particular <laughs> face that he We're gets. We're going to do this! <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed. Why? Because a few days ago, mm-hmm. I said that when we recorded this, mm-hmm. we were going to have get some, uh, go out and buy some ice cream treats. treats oh, yeah. As close to Cornetto's. I mean, it's like drumsticks. They're drumsticks, but not. But we forgot to do that, so we're not eating ice cream as we record this, unfortunately. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about Shaun of the Dead? Um, The ending is fun, but I want to talk about the best movie of all time. <laughs> so to wrap up, it ended up being a great start to this thematic trilogy. Kind of came out of nowhere, low budget I think it was before a lot of people in the States had any idea of who Simon Pegg was. People in the States still don't know who Simon Pegg is? Um, Well, that's probably true. The average person... To us, it's like, hey, Simon Pegg. And to everybody else, it's just like, who is Simon Pegg? I'm like, he played Scotty in the new Star Trek? And they're like, uh... uh?" Well, and maybe uh, non-geeks might also recognize him from uh, Mission Impossible movies. Oh, yeah. So those are, you know, bigger, wider-ranging, blockbuster kind of movies that people see. So then, I think it's become clear that the next movie is your favorite. Yes. But where would you put Shaun of the Dead if you were ranking the three movies? From best to least favorite. From most favorite to least favorite. For me, it would be on the bottom, but only... Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. Okay. But only because I, like, I re-watch media a lot. Like, yes, I, do. I don't know how many times I've rewatched, like, just, like, The Office and Parks and Rec. Like, I just do it. It's just, like, a thing I do because I do other stuff while I'm watching Netflix. Um, 
And movies like Shaun of the Dead, which is a fantastic movie and it's hilarious and, fa- and like, amazing, the comedy doesn't outweigh the, like, gruesomeness and, like, dark, like, how dark it gets. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to rewatch a movie in the Cornetto trilogy, it's definitely going to be number one, Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. number two, World's End, number three, mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Interesting. You mentioned how dark it is. They did take the time to make certain aspects of it quite moving and 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 scary leaving behind yeah, the people comedy dying and they're trapped and when yeah. his mother dies it's a very moving scene and actually this was mentioned in that 12 things article that everyone was crying <laughs> on set because simon did a great job i he's mean he so, was he's he such was, a good actor he was crying and 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 you know and as sad as you would expect him to be he's for often the circumstances. like he's often like he hasn't i don't know if he's done like very serious movies except for mission impossible and even in mission impossible he's kind of a punchline not in a bad way but just yeah. like he's comedy relief yeah and he's actually like when his character's heart is broken your heart is broken <laughs> yeah I don't even know what to say about it because okay. it just hurts me <laughs> inside. Let me tell you about the first time I ever saw Hot Fuzz. Okay. I was on Tumblr and a girl I'd been following ever since I got a Tumblr account was like, hey, I'm going to stream this movie so we can all like watch together. It'll be fun. It's going to be a thing. And I was like... This sounds awesome. I have nothing to do. She has good taste in movies and stuff, so I'm going to watch it. So I went to watch it, but uh, it wasn't working because it was, like, crashing because she has, like, lots of followers. So by the time I got it streaming, it had skipped, like, the intro explaining what's going on. (laughs) And so I just got thrown into this movie (laughs) and I had no idea what was happening the entire time. And then when it ended, I was like, well, I will never know what movie that was and I'm going to look back on this years from now and say so remember that weird movie I watched about the policeman where everyone started dying and there was a cult and then one day I saw a gift set on Tumblr from Hot Fuzz I was like that's the movie and it was tagged Hot Fuzz <laughs> yeah so I went and I, I had... faded out and I watched it again and I was like oh my gosh I have to buy this movie and then we saw the special edition of Half Price Book so I bought it and now I've watched it 80,000 times because it's amazing and I love it <laughs> One thing that I like about it is that so they did a zombie movie mm-hmm. and now they do a cop movie mm-hmm. and they play off those genres. I know in the interesting intro ways. To Hot Fuzz like almost by heart. And one of the interesting things about Hot Fuzz is that it actually references a very small sub sub genre <laughs> because it's not just a cop movie. It's a cop movie about a city cop going out into the British countryside mm-hmm. and encountering like a strange secret society <laughs> amongst the villagers, yeah. <laughs> which actually references, there's a very famous movie called The Wicker Man, which uh, I'm talking about the original featuring the fabulous Christopher Lee, not the remake with Nick Cage that I never bothered watching. And it also reminds me of uh, a movie called Nothing But the Night. Again with Christopher Lee, this time also with the fabulous Peter Cushing. And again, strange goings-on in the British countryside. 
<laughs> it's apparently something that happens a lot over there. Uh, so that was a little bit more subtle genre reference than the out-and-out zombie movie of uh, Shaun of the Dead. But then we started seeing some of those recurring jokes. Jumping over the fences, the by the power of Grayskull. So all those things came back. But then I just saw, I didn't tell you about this, I saw a movie called Kill Me Three Times that starred Simon Pegg as an assassin. Noise. Well, it was one of those movies where a lot of the entertainment is by all the twists and turns mm-hmm. of the plot. And like, oh, oh my gosh, no, she's on her side. No, he's on the other guy's side. No, she's on his side. And she, and there, all that kind of stuff. And the further you get into it and you reflect back on all those twists and you realize this movie doesn't make any sense whatsoever because if so-and-so was really on such-and-such's side, then back at the beginning when the viewer didn't know that and she did this, well, now that you know that, it's like, well, that doesn't hold up at all. So it was kind of a mess in the end. However, Simon Pegg got stabbed through the hand in it, just like he did in Hot Fuzz. It wasn't an Edgar Wright movie, but it was obviously a little in-joke reference to uh, Hot Fuzz. But when this movie starts out... By Father Christmas. Like, (laughs) when this movie starts out, uh, the Simon Pegg character is a little lost and has lost his girlfriend. And essentially his job, too. And... And then, and that sort of echoes what was going on in Shaun of the Dead, that mm-hmm. he'd lost a girlfriend and was trying to get over it. There's so many great things in Hot Fuzz and just wacky things. <laughs> was, was there, do you have a, a particular moment that leaps out at you that you uh, loved? All. All? I like it when, ev- when <laughs> they go in to see the Andes mm-hmm. and... Uh, they open the door and they both are just frozen with cake with like forks halfway to their mouths. The cake they're just like and they just give them this look like what are you doing? Whenever the Andes do anything, when he's when he's drinking, when they're at the the bar and they're he's having like beer, and he drinks and he has like he has like the froth on his mustache mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, You've got a mustache and he's like, I know I do. <laughs> This everybody and their moms is packing around here. Wait, what do you mean by everybody? Farmers. <laughs> Who else? Farmers' moms. One thing that I like about these movies that I think they got some criticism for is I mentioned before that they're slow burns. Yeah. This one is an incredibly slow burn. I mean, it's for a substantial amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's just him, like, trying to be... Working with his new partner. Yeah. He's oh, no. A... You know what my favorite part is? What? My favorite part is when he comes back to take uh, the guy, like, the civilian who he thinks he's arrested the night before for being, like, publicly intoxicated. <laughs> and he opens it, and he's like, he's gone! And then, oh, my God, who is gone? Oh. And then it's the guy, like, and he's dressed in the uniform. Yeah, <laughs> and then Nick he, Frost again. And he doesn't, he like, Simon Pegg, he's not like, oh, he's a police officer. I've locked up a police officer. It's... Why are you dressed like a police officer? <laughs> because I am one. No, or when they're in the when they're in the pub and they're talking and uh Nick Frost like scoots his chair over. 
just Simon Pegg and just like starts asking him all these weird questions about his job. Which is a fun part because his character is introduced as being just like the most ridiculous, incapable police officer, but he actually has the most interest in actual policing yeah, yeah. it comes out in awkward ways you know have you ever shot anyone have you ever you know shot guns while jumping through the air and all that sort of stuff but you actually see that he then is taking an interest in his job so uh you know it's good character development within this bizarre comedy movie like when i watch the movie i just talk along with the intro <laughs> Police Constable Nicholas Angel, born and schooled in London, graduated Canterbury University in 1993 with a double first in politics and sociology. <laughs> Back to my slow burn comment. It's going along like a more or less normal mm -hmm. city cop in the country kind of mm -hmm. genre. Um, starts getting a little weird when it introduces the killer in the black robes. Oh my god, so good. But then, then comes the death of the reporter when the killer pushes the piece, the big hunk of stone off the church. That's way later, though. <laughs> and Because the first people he kills are the actors, the quote actors. Yeah, unquote. and that's what I'm, what I'm, it's like, you've already started to see these killings and they're sort of, a, you know, they're gruesome. But they're not like over the top. But then you get to this big piece of carved stone exploding the, the reporter's head it's just mm -hmm. like it, it it sort of comes and out he, of, he doesn't like collapse either he like falls to his yeah. knees and then like it's so over the top and so gruesome and you're just like what is going on and then of course it starts twisting even more because you start getting into this thing about they have their little secret society and they're killing everyone and and it's really kind of insane but it works so well and they just build up these little weird things like the model village oh my god <laughs> when he's like... first when he's first getting to the city he passes a sign that says model village and then later one of the andes like tells him to go screw off at the model village if you want to be a big cop in a small town well because their whole thing <laughs> the town's whole thing is that they win like town of the year every year and so they have all these cute little like Lots of beautiful gardens, and it's all green, a little model village, yeah. and all the shop. It sets up a bizarre fight scene, because then when the people are fighting in the model village, they look like they're giants. <laughs> and it's just, it's uh, so silly. So in some ways, you could make the argument that the tone of the film and, and the various genres that it's referencing... It, is like lurching all over the place. I think for some people, it's probably too much. Mm -hmm. doesn't hang together. But these movies are really made for the geek crowd uh, when yeah. you get to the bottom of it. But also film geek crowds because they're referencing a lot of films that aren't Oh my gosh, when he comes riding films. on the white horse. My favorite thing about that <laughs> that scene is watching him on the horse and thinking about the bloopers. Because <laughs> like, I don't think Simon Pegg really knows how to ride a horse or like didn't really know and so he's up on this like giant white horse and there are these bloopers where the horse is just like welp i'm going to run now <laughs> and simon's like oh, oh. it's really funny there's a great line when the nick frost character is trying to convince simon Pegg that there's nothing he can do and he says to him forget it nicholas it's sanford which references a movie that you haven't seen famous movie called chinatown so they reference a lot of detective and cop movies, mm -hmm. both good 
and bad. You ain't seen bad boys too. <laughs> because prior to this, then yeah, the Nick Frost character has learned everything he knows about policing from watching cop movies. Point break. We can't forget to mention, do you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Because that's a Cornetto uh, trilogy uh, line that uh, gets repeated in here. So you've already stated that this is your number one of the three. I would have a hard time choosing between Hot Fuzz and Sean for my number one. In some ways, I think Sean is more tightly scripted. It's a zombie movie and it stays there. Mm Mm-hmm. Where Hot Fuzz, yeah, it's a cop movie, but then it kind of veers around into other things. Not in a bad way, but then, you know, it has some of the -the over-the-top gore. One could make the argument that it's a little out of place. It made sense in Shaun of Mm -hmm. the Dead, but the gruesome head-crushing of the journalist... Maybe does it fit? I don't know. It kind of. I like works, it when um, but... they're fighting in the supermarket, and a bunch of like spaghetti sauce gets spilled on one of the Andy's, <laughs> and the other Andy is like Andy, and like charges, and he's like Andy, don't worry, it's just Polonese. <laughs> like, should we mention how fabulous the soundtrack is? Yes, I know the soundtrack by heart. Wide and ranging I make my soundtrack. Listen to it when we're on road trips, and they're like, "What is this?" And I'm like. Wouldn't you like to know? Oh, like classic songs by the Kinks and stuff. It's just a, it's a it marvelous soundtrack. Um, we are <laughs> God save Donald Duck, Vaudeville and Variety. So we come to the final movie in the trilogy, The World's End. The Simon Pegg character is, once again, lost, trying to find his way. It's revealed much later in the movie that he's really, it's a much darker and more tragic kind of loss than in the previous two films. We'll talk about that in a bit. It's quite the slow burn, and I think that it suffers a little bit by the real story and the real consequences of the story developing very, very, very late in the movie. Because it's an alien invasion film, mm-hmm. but that develops very slowly. So it kind of references invasion movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers because people are being replaced and they're not quite themselves, but they're kind mm-hmm. of themselves. And, and so once again, it's, like it's, the X-Files. it's playing off of some um, some classic sci-fi We're not genres. Who we are. But wrapped up in the <laughs> overall story of the Simon Pegg's character's pathetic need to relive... High school. High school, just after graduation, and going on a drunken pub crawl. Which, thankfully, doesn't happen in America. (laughs) Just imagine drunk high schoolers, as far as the eye can see. Well, if you were in the right places, you could find that in the United (laughs) States as well. Um, But the... The the pub is a little bit more uh, wound into British oh, it's culture. Like, it's like in uh, then it's like in Hot Fuzz, and they have all the underage kids in the pub. Mm-hmm. The greater <laughs> good. When's your birthday? Ah! We get to see some running jokes. The jumping over the fences. Yeah. Bit. Uh, Have you taken a shortcut before? Uh, Because of the nature of the story, we don't get quite the same, do you want anything down to the shop kind of uh, Mm -hmm. running joke. But I liked that there was a bit 
early on in the movie where he jumps over a little hedge yeah. and falls. And it, oh, I love it when they and it, fall. And it echoes the uh, the fence joke. Yeah. But then, you know, then a little bit later on, you get the proper fence joke once again, where he jumps over a fence and it tips over. One thing that struck me this time, which didn't the first time since the other movie didn't exist, but when they got into the biggest knockdown drag out fight with the robots in one of the pubs, it reminded me of the fabulously brutal church fight scene in Kingsman. <laughs> that scene is so beautifully choreographed. I can't even do it. In, I can't. In Kingsman? Yeah. Yeah. And in in both of them, I mean, particularly for Kingsman, but looking at this, the, the pub fight scene in The World's End makes me wonder how long did it take to shoot that? Because it's a pretty long scene with some pretty complicated choreography of the characters going back and forth. I mean, just the blocking and like keeping track of where the characters are and in relation to the other characters. It's funny in World's End, one of the things they did was the robots have this blue liquid in them. So when you're busting them apart and it it lowers yeah. the gore factor because it's just blue. It's like, yeah. oh, you've just broken open a mannequin and it's got blue stuff in it. If it weren't for that, it would be gruesome because they're ripping off legs and arms and beating their heads to pulp with their own legs and arms. <laughs> but instead, it just gets to be hilarious because they're robots. So now I've offended the robots in the audience because I've treated them like they aren't worthy of... Uh... <laughs> they're not robots. Robot means slave. Yes, they're... <laughs> One thing that I liked about The World's End was the appearance of Pierce Brosnan as their old high school teacher because Timothy Dalton was in Hot Fuzz, and so then we had two different James Bonds appearing in the movies. Yeah. So that was a uh, fun I like that scene because they're like, we're not, like, we're never going back to high school. And they're, like, raising their hands to talk. Who knows what robot means? Yeah. Slave? Good job. Which, and and that is, I'll tell you right now, that is exactly how you feel when you see your old high school teachers years later. I won't feel like that. It might be a little bit different for you because (laughs) the school you go to is, we, as we lovingly call it, the hippie school. When you call all your teachers by their first names. Yeah. And you go on camping trips with them. Yeah. Feeling formal when you see them outside of school kind of goes out the window. Yeah. But for (laughs) most people, myself included, when you run into your teachers years later, if they tell you to call them by their first name, you're like, oh boy, I don't know if I You're like, no thanks. No, thank you. So the world's end. Was there a favorite bit for you? I like it when he's on the spaceship and the alien shows him the copy it's made of a young Gary King and he like walks out and starts to come down and (laughs) Simon Pegg is just like god I was cute (laughs) like that's the first thing it says just god I was adorable like it's so funny one of my favorite scenes is when the movie takes the huge twist which is when he ends up getting into a fight with a young guy in the men's room Mm-hmm. and accidentally knocks his head off. And it's like, that's when it's revealed, well, wait a minute, there's something substantially different going on I like here. how his friend, who's so angry because he lied about his mom dying, doesn't notice. Like, he storms in and is yelling at him, and he's like, his head fell off! <laughs> yeah. And he's just <laughs> screaming. 
in, in some ways, for me, this film is perhaps at the bottom of the three because although I find it super entertaining, if I start being critical of it, some of these changes happen so late in the film. It's, uh-huh. it's kind of weird that, that, you know. And then not only the, the, the reveal that there's the robots is very late, is, you know, quite a ways into the film. But then when it takes the further twist at the end where he's basically fighting for uh, humanity it's like this seems like a completely different movie than we started in it's fair to criticize that but i still really like it and think you know Mm -hmm. when i watched it again i still really enjoy the the whole movie you said that this one kind of rates in the middle for you yeah because it's more light-hearted generally speaking yeah then it's still even when they're fighting everything they're so drunk that it's still just funny however then as i referenced earlier in our discussion throughout the movie you're you're kind of feeling sorry for the simon Pegg character because he's so obviously lost he's you know searching for these glory days when he was 18 and it's sad that he has so focused on this thing and getting back together with his old friends but then it's eventually revealed that he tried committing suicide yeah his wrists are bandaged and, you, and he has a hospital bracelet yeah and early in the film you see that he's living in some sort of place you don't know that he's living there it looks like like he's talk. he's in like a support group yeah and and so you know that he's you know had trouble with uh, alcohol or whatever and, and that he's getting some help and so you know that he's in a rough part of his life but you have no idea how low he has actually come in his life until at the end of the film and then that really helps put in his perspective how much he was reaching out to those old friends in those good old days that's what i'm talking about when simon pegg's heart when simon pegg's character's heart is broken your heart is broken yeah yeah he's like they told me when to go to bed yeah oh yeah when he says that line you just feel for him so much Mm -hmm. and again you know this is something that maybe maybe you could argue that that kind of came out of nowhere it's like you know here we've been spending this whole movie doing this goofy, you know, <laughs> robot alien invasion movie, and now you're throwing this on us. But I like it. And, you know, and I guess it's kind of unorthodox scripting, perhaps, you know, but that's what's good about it. It's like, yeah, it, that even though it's playing off of very particular film genres, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, when they write a movie, they don't hit all the same pacing notes like a Hollywood movie is supposed to. they're writing a story for themselves and it might meander a bit it might take some pretty big shifts (laughs) out of nowhere but it comes together and then well then there's like even at the end of the movie there's still a further one or two twists that are just sort of ridiculous is that when they defeat the aliens for some reason it knocks out power like all electronics over the entire world. So then we, you get this little after scene <laughs> where suddenly now it's like a post-apocalypse movie for the last 10 minutes, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous, but it's fun. And then it shows... And then he says, there's almost no packaged food I miss. And then the little like Cornetto wrapper flies by and he's like... <gasps> Yeah, and then, so yeah, you get the the final element of uh-huh. the Cornetto trilogy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it does set up that in this 
Armageddon, this apocalypse that the Simon Pegg character has is now... Is one of the five musketeers. He's he's found himself. Plus, he goes into he goes into a pub and he's like, five waters. Yeah, so he's all, and he's so right. he's past his alcoholism. He's right, dog. And now he's fighting for the underdog because the, the remaining robots have become this kind of oppressed class because they're no longer trying to take over the world for the aliens. Uh, but... People don't like them because, of course, they're associated with the aliens and they're kind of creepy in the way they act. <laughs> but uh, they start assimilating into the uh, remaining human society and uh, the Simon Pegg character is is fighting for them uh, against uh, prejudice. So it's kind of an, you know, another further interesting weird twist at the end of a movie that took a lot of weird twists. So in my forced raking, I think it would be, I don't know, The World's End would come in on the bottom, but I can't quite call between the other two. So, there it was, the Cornetto trilogy, the thematic trilogy involving ice cream and other things. Did you have any last comments about the overall arc of all three movies together? What do you think of them? Um, It's really funny when somebody makes a trilogy of movies that aren't connected at all except <laughs> by actors and jumping over fences. Yeah. And it and go watch Hot Fuzz and then buy the soundtrack immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for episode thirty-six, Superhero League Adventure Squad, when we'll welcome Minnesota's own Christopher Jones, comic book artist extraordinaire. Remember that Generations Geek is a part of the Chronic Rift Network, which broadcasts from the library of their secret society's New England mansion. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicrift.com. Thanks for listening, and come, come back, back next time. time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny. <laughs>